I don't know about you, but I love worshiping outside. Isn't this? This is where the church belongs. I, I just so it's just different. I mean, I know God sees us when we're inside our little buildings, but there's just something different about going. Wow, there's a being up there right right now. I mean, if everyone could just do me a favor and take a deep, deep breath, and then let it go. Like you were able to do that because He allowed you to. He determined whether any of us take another breath. And he's up there right now with a hundred million angels, this being. And that's, that, that's why it's like we don't ever want to make these events about any person or, or anything that we do. But just a reminder that, man, that's intense. There's a being up there that if somehow he would tear back the heavens and let us see his face right now, the Bible says we would just all immediately die. Because the Bible says he dwells in unapproachable light. And, and sometimes we just go on in our business and look at other people and don't recognize, man, there's someone like that up there right now. And he just gave me another breath. And it's all up to him. Man, that's so why I love being outside and just thinking about everything that he created. I love when the church is outside doing what you guys were doing yesterday. I, I, I man, the... Man, wasn't that awesome just to be out among the world and serving and doing something? Man, I've been in ministry for like 30 years now. And the best times in our church's history were the times when we were doing what you were doing yesterday. Like just out in the community being a light. Man, I've been saying it for years. It's like no one wants to see us just huddling together every Sunday. Right? You, you got any Seahawks fans? You know, no, not here. Um, but uh, you don't watch the games to watch Russell Wilson call a huddle, right? That's not the exciting part. And I just feel like that's, that's all the church does sometimes, is we just huddle and huddle and huddle, and no one runs the play. It's not a big deal to huddle. Who cares about play calling? Except that one time. But... Uh, <laughs> had to throw that in there go Niners um so <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding I, um I am from San Francisco um but but it's just this idea of man people want us out executing these play calls that we make every Sunday and it's so exciting to see you guys out there doing something um that's where the church belongs this, this book is about action. It's not about getting convicted and crying in a service. It's about hearing the word of God and going out and doing something about it. It's, it's about faith. It doesn't take faith to sit in a room and get convicted. It takes faith to do what you were doing yesterday. It takes faith to do events like this out in the public and say, you know what? I know this message isn't popular, but it's what I believe. Um, I'll die for it. I believe God is watching. I believe he sent his son. I know that sounds crazy to some of you, but we believe the son of God actually took the form of a man and died on a cross for all of our sins and then rose from the grave and ascended back into heaven and one day is going to return and judge everyone, everyone on the planet. You know, Matthew 25 talks about he's just going to gather everyone together. As he comes in all of his glory with all of his angels and he's just going to separate people. 
And to some, he's going to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and inherit the riches of my kingdoms. And and then to others, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And so I'm so grateful that you guys were out there doing it. And I I pray that that, that this becomes a habit. That's not just a once a year thing. Because my church was never more alive than when we were out there serving. And, uh, And I think some of you got to experience that yesterday maybe even for the first time, and I hope it becomes a habit in your life. Um, let me just share a lot of my, uh, just some a quick uh, testimony for those who, I mean, I mean, most of you have no idea who I am. You're just like, who's that bald Chinese Niner fan up there? And uh, why would we invite him? Um, this will probably be the last time now that I keep bringing up the Niners, but... Um, I think we're pretty much not an issue this year. <laughs> um, but uh, I was, um, I've had a, I had a really weird childhood. My, my mom actually died giving birth to me in San Francisco. And it really crazy thing. So I never knew my mom. But uh, what I'm told is when she was pregnant with me, she was going to have complications. And she knew that going into this because she had a lot of complications with my older brother, but she chose to keep me and believing that God had a purpose for my life. And she died in the process of giving birth. And that's pretty awesome to me that my mom gave me life, you know, and gave her life so I could be on this earth. My dad remarried and uh, had a little family back together again. But then when I was eight, my stepmother got in a car accident and she died. And uh, that was pretty crazy as an eight-year-old. My dad got married again. He was a stud. Um, He got married a third time. And then uh, when I was 12, he died of cancer. And so in junior high, it was just kind of this weird time for me trying to figure this all out, life and everything else. When your dad's dead, your stepmom's dead, your mom's dead. in the middle of high school, my aunt and uncle got in a fight, and my, my uncle shot and killed my aunt and then, and then committed suicide. And it was during that time that I was just searching for something more, and uh, my, uh, my best friend in high school took me to a youth group. Uh, this is over, it's almost 35 years ago. My buddy Ken, who's here today, because he lives out here in beautiful Seattle, and uh, took me to a youth group where the youth pastor taught me how to read this book for myself. He didn't just tell me what was in here. He taught me how to read it. And, and every morning, I, I, I started to read this book when no one else is around. Man, and, and, and I'm doing the same thing 35 years later. Like, it's the best time of the day for me. It's the best moments of my life is when no one else is around. And it's just me and God and this book. I don't know if you do this, but for 35 years, this has been my bread and butter. Like, I don't want anyone else around. I just want to be me and God connecting with him. And, and as I got into this book, man, I, I just, I would read things. And I'd be so stunned by it. And, and I started this relationship with God where I would start praying to him when no one else is around. And the way he would answer my prayers, like so specifically, to the point where I'd get chills. Sometimes I, I would be scared because i think, no way, I just spoke to him. 
Like, I don't know what your prayer life is, but there's still days now, years later, where I'm just alone, and it's just me and him, and I'm just, I'm like crying, going, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Like, right now in heaven, you know, there's, there's angels all around you, there's lightning, thunder, fire coming from your throne, you know, you dwell in unapproachable light, and I'm talking to you, and you listen to me, and it's so, so intense. And, the, and the, the, the way he answers my prayers, it had just blown me away from a young age all the way to the present day where I just go, God, I can't believe this. It's about this deep, deep knowledge of him. Man, and I know plenty of us go to church. We attend services. But I got to ask, man, do you really know him? Do you really love him? and adore him. Is that why you did what you did yesterday? Is that why you're here today? Because you, when no one else is around, you just adore him so much. I mean, even when I was walking up here, you know, just again with God, I'm just going, it doesn't matter, Lord, that there's thousands of people standing, you know, or sitting out there. It doesn't matter to me. Like right now, I'm just thinking, you're in heaven right now. Man, I've had friends who, who were teaching that were on a stage like this and in the middle of their message, they died. And, and so I take that very seriously and I go up here and I go, God, it really doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me right now. I think about you. I know how quickly life ends. Man, I've seen that ever since I was a kid. I'm grateful for the way I grew up. I'm grateful for all those tragedies and everything else because it got me thinking about life and how quickly it can end. And, and so every day I don't take for granted. When I put my kids to bed, I don't take for granted that I'll see them. T- I've got seven children, not 27, just seven. And um, man, I don't take for granted that I'm going to be with them forever or even have another day. I, I, I look at you and I go, man, I don't know if I'll see you ever again. And I just think, okay, God, it's you and me. I want to please you. There may be things that God's going to lead me to say that may be offensive to you. Because this book, I don't know if you've ever read it, it's pretty offensive, you know? And just again, confessing before God, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be scared to say anything up there. I just want to please you because I may see you in a few seconds. Man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know when this ends. He gave me another breath. It's all up to him. Nothing's under our control. Man, just to recognize that. But then when you get secure in this relationship with him, then it's like you're just, you're fearless. You know, like when, when you recognize that God looks down right now and he knows me. And then I'm a child of his, not because I live this great life, but because of my belief in him. Because of my faith in Christ, it's like he knows me and I know it through my prayer life. I've seen it. I mean, crazy, crazy prayers. Yeah, I remember years ago, my first trip to Africa. Man, I was just blown away at the poverty. I know you guys had Rich Stearns, you know, here last year. And I got to hang out with him a little bit last night. And but I remember my first trip to Africa just floored me. I'd never seen people digging through the trash like that before. I'd never seen people starving. I never actually interacted and hung out with them and spoke with them and and began to love them. 
I remember reading the word of God and everything it said about people in poverty. I remember coming home from that trip from Africa and just go, honey, I, I can't even live in our house anymore. This is crazy. Not from what I read in this book. That I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Man, I've got an amazing, amazing wife who didn't go to Africa with me on that trip. And I, I just said, honey, do you mind if we sell the house? You know, do you mind if we just downsize? And she's like, it's not what I want to do, but I trust you. And I trust if that's where God's leading you, let's go. And that afternoon, we're looking at in trailer parks. and I mean, amazing, amazing wife. And as I started down this road of how can I just give everything I have, and we didn't have a whole lot, I, I started praying, oh God, you know, I'm praying even for the rich people in the church. That they would start living with an eternal focus. You know, that, that they would start giving more and more because there's crazy needs on this earth. And then at the end of my prayer, I just casually said, God, or make me rich. I said, if you make me rich, I'll give it all away. The next year, I made a million dollars. I've never made money before, okay? I, I mean... I wrote a book. I didn't know I could write. Okay, I'm, you know, I, I mean, I was a terrible writer. English was terrible. SAT, math, I dominated, you know, I'm Asian. It's just like, oh, that was easy. But English, man, it was, you kidding me? And writing a book and then suddenly it sells like millions and I'm making all of this money. I was like, God, I'm not touching a dime. You know, like I said, this is all yours. This is all yours. I mean, that's the type of miracle life, man, where it's just like, God, I, I want to stay focused on of this. And, and he's just answering, answering, answering prayers through my whole life. And, but I tell you, it's from my time in this book. And, and I just want to go through a passage with you real quick. You know, I remember being like, I think I was a senior in high school. And I read a passage in this book that just, it scared me. No one else was around. I, it, was, it was Matthew chapter 7. I was reading Matthew chapter 7 one day, and I'm going, man, is anyone else reading what I'm reading? Because this is, this is insane to me. In, in, in verse 21, when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And I remember sitting in, in a church pew, you know, in a service, and just kind of looking at these verses and looking around the church. And I, I just got scared. It wasn't like I'm judging anyone. I was looking at myself and I just go, man, is anyone else reading this book? 
I mean, what does that verse do to you? I, see, for me, when I read scripture, I go, man, I got to do something. I got to do something. This is what it says. I know some of us who have been in the church for a long time, you just, you hear a sermon and you just decide, you rate it, you decide, man, should I do something with it? Am I convicted? Let's sing another song. But for me, it's like, man, these are the very words of God. And the thought that Jesus himself says that not everyone who just says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. It's not just about talking and saying that Jesus is your Lord. He says, it's about doing and living it out. You believe to the point of action. That's why things like what you did yesterday were so big. That out of a knowledge of him, you would want to do these things. But that scared me because I thought, man, how many people in the church just assume that they're good? I I, I think we grossly underestimate what it's going to be like the moment we see him. Have you ever, have you ever thought about that moment when you see him for the first time? In all of his glory, all of his holiness, do you ever think, man, what is that going to be like? And we just casually make it like no big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I die, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to give him a hug. It's like, man, have you read the biblical descriptions of God in all of his glory? And have you ever thought, what's it going to feel like to come into the presence of that being? And then verses like this, when he says, on that day, many. This is what creeped me out. Many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, not a few. Many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do this? Wasn't I at our service day? Didn't I go serve at that school? Didn't I go to service almost every week? And then God's going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, Read it for yourself. I hope you read this for yourself. I hope you're not a person that just goes to sermons and trusts whatever the guy up front says. I hope you're a person that goes home today, reads through the words of God and goes, was that guy really reading from the book? And check it out for yourself. Because those are the amazing times when you're alone with this book and you go, wait, that was Jesus. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's not just about doing good deeds either, okay? He says, I never knew you. When I I prayed for this group, not knowing you, when I prayed for you, this was the passage that came to mind. I mean, it's crazy that 30 years ago, this is the passage that got me into ministry, and then the Lord's taken me all the way back there today because I thought, man, how many of you will I never see again, then maybe you do some good deeds. But do you really know him? Look, are you really known by him? Man, I went to church for years without really knowing him. Man, and I sing the songs, I go to the services, but man, it came a point when I had this personal relationship where I hunger for him, I long for him when no one else is around. 
And it's out of that that my actions sprung forth. So yes, it's true. Not everyone who just says they're a Christian is really a Christian. Not everyone who says Jesus is their Lord really means that. He says it's the person who does his will. And then he goes on and doing his will doesn't mean you just do some good deeds. It has to do with really knowing him. That's why he says, depart from me. And he calls them, you workers of lawlessness. Because you're doing work, but it's not with the right motive. It's not out of this love for him. It's not because you've really surrendered your life and just said, God, I, I just give you everything. I see what you've done. Are you kidding me? The creator, you made all of us. You're keeping us all alive. We're all breathing because of you. And you literally had your son take the form of a human being. And you watched him even in the garden when he's saying, Father, is there any other way? Take this cup from me. That you would watch that as a father, as a dad. And, and you, you watched him go to the cross and suffer. And then he rises from the dead and he ascends into heaven. And he says, look, I will forgive you of everything. All those secret sins that no one in this crowd knows about. That's why my son came. He was paying for what you did wrong for all the things you did in secret that no one else knows about. He saw it all and Christ went to the cross for you. Paying for your sins. He made Jesus who knew no sin become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So that, that it's like we switched places for those of us who really believe. It's like, Wait a second, so Jesus took the penalty and I take on his righteousness? So God looks at me right now like he looks at Jesus? That, that, that's amazing to me. And at and, and that point of belief to say, God, I, I, I will follow. Here's my life. What do you want me to say? I don't care if it's offensive. I'll do it. I don't care if it gets me killed. I'll say it. I'll do it. Like, no one's ever loved me like that. And the creator, and to have that relationship and to say, I love you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Man, and you develop this relationship and then you're just fearless. I don't care what happens to me today. My eternity's set. It's so nice, isn't it, for those of us who know Jesus to go, there's nothing I fear. I know the God in heaven and he's watching over me. He says, even the birds of the air. He goes, I, I don't let a single sparrow fall from the sky without my knowledge. He goes, look at the grass. Look at the, the flowers. Man, I take care of them. He goes, I'll, I'll know everything about you. And that confidence, do you have that with him? Do you know him? And is it your own relationship with him? Where when no one else is around, you just adore that time alone with God. Or is it just in the public setting when everyone else is around? It's says, like, I, I, I love my wife. Been married 22 years. And I love being with her in public. But I love a lot more when no one else is around. Um, those have been the best times in our marriage. It's where our kids came from. It's just, it's just like that. No one else is around. It's me and you, honey. And in the same way, it's that relationship with God where you just go, God, 
I don't want anyone else here. I just want to be with you. Like, I love you. I love you. I just want to tell you over and over again, I love you. Is that true of you? Like, do you know him? Because at the end of everything, no one's going to be there with you. It's you and him. Your mom's not going to be with you. Your pastor's not going to be with you. Your friends aren't going to be around. It's just you and almighty God. And again, he says one of two things. Well done. Well done. Man, I, I, you loved my son. You, 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 you believed in him. I saw the Holy Spirit moving in you. It, man, you, you, you and I, I mean, I've loved you. I loved you when you're on the earth. You and I were connected. And here you are, finally come up here. Or he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I knew your brother. I knew your uncle. I knew your pastor. I knew some of the people in your church. But I never knew you. Man, be secure in this. If you're unsure, this is not something to be unsure of. There is nothing more important in your life than figuring this out. Man, to be connected with the God of the universe. And the Bible says in that same passage, he says, look, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He says, enter by the narrow gate because the, the, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. He goes, there's an easy path to take when we're on this earth. He goes, just take the easy route. Just do what the majority says. He goes, but there's this narrow, difficult way to life. And he says, very few will find it. And he goes, enter by that narrow gate. And then he goes on and explains, look, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into heaven. There's a wide road of people. But then there's this narrow road of those who actually know him and love him and pursue him, understand what he did on the cross and adore him for it and spend their rest of life following him. And I pray that you're those people. I pray that you get it. Jesus, when he would speak, he, at the end, he would just say, he who has an ear, let him hear. Because he says, look, I, I can't make you believe this. I can't make you give up your whole life. But for some of you, you're going to hear the message and it's like your eyes are open, your ears are open. And you go, I get it. I remember that. I remember being in high school and going, I get it. I don't care if anyone else follows me on this. I understand what a great treasure he is and I will give everything up for him. And I haven't looked back. It's been so real, so good, so intense. And I'm like everyone else. I mean, I... I like to be accepted. I like to be liked. I like nice things. But when I read this book, I go, man, none of that stuff matters anymore. I know the creator. I'm secure in him. See, our world's getting crazy, isn't it? it is, it's not like when I grew up in high school 30-something years ago. It's different. And I, I want to close with this passage that's been on my heart for a while. It's in 2 Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, he says, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He says, the time's coming when people will not put up with the words of this book. Instead, it says they're going to look for teachers who tell them what they want to hear. They're going to find teachers. If they want to get divorced, they'll find a teacher, a Bible teacher with a PhD to tell them that it's okay to do that. Whatever sins, if they want to have an abortion, they'll find a teacher to tell them it's okay to do that. Man, I know these are sins that have been committed in this group, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not forgiveness there, but there comes a time of repentance and saying, you know what, I blew it, Lord, rather than justifying our sins and going on and on. He says in the last days in 2 Timothy 3, which I don't know if you guys believe we're in the last days, but it's hard to imagine what the last days will look like if this isn't it. But he says, it'll be terrible, 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, there'll come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. He's in the last days, it's going to get awful. But the thing you got to know about this passage, he wasn't talking about the world. He was talking about the church. The world is always going to be like that. Read this book. It's always been like that. What, what was scary is, is in the end times, this is going to happen inside of quote unquote churches. And when you read this list, some of the words in this list, you probably look at and you shrug your shoulders like, is that really that big of a sin? And that's exactly what he's saying. In the last days, it's going to get acceptable even in the church. Even that first phrase, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. Did you know that was a sin? I mean, it's crazy. Even in the church, though, I, I mean, sociologists, they say that our generation right now is the most narcissistic generation in all of human history by a long shot. Like we are so in love with ourselves and self-centered that we don't even know because it's so normal. We think it's normal for everyone on earth to make a page about themselves and put all their best pictures, all their accomplishments and everything else, everyone look, we think that's normal. See, Paul's telling Timothy, you're gonna, this is crazy, but in the end days, people are gonna love themselves. They're gonna put the best pictures of themselves with the girls, you know, you put your arm like this, makes you look, I know all the tricks, I got five daughters. You know, it's just, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We, we wanna make ourselves look good, lovers of self. And he says, it's gonna be in the church too. Where we go, well, of course I'd make a page about myself. Who else am I going to talk about? It'll just become normal. And even in the church, people will say, man, I've heard this so many times as a pastor. Well, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. And so I need to love myself. And so I'm just going to work on loving me because I don't love me enough. 
You've probably heard that before. And the people who say that to me, I'm like, man, no, I think you love yourself a lot. Every time we get together, what do you want to talk about? How about me? And how I don't think I love myself enough. Just no, it's, it's at the end times, people are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It, it, it talks about how they're going to be greedy. Man, why are you greedy? Because you love yourself. This whole list, why, why, are you, why are you a lover of money? Why are you proud? Why are you, why are you abusive? Because you don't care about the other person. You're constantly thinking about me, me, me. And he says, you're going to be lovers of pleasure. They're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. People will go to church, not because they really love him, but they're thinking, God, you know, I was told that if I came here, maybe I could get a better job. Maybe God would give me a bunch of money. Maybe God would make my family healthy and everything else. So I, it's not even about him anymore. And what Jesus says is, no, you don't follow me if I give you all those things. When Jesus called his disciples, he says, you follow me even if you lose everything. That was the gospel that you see that I am so beautiful. You know, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a treasure in a field. Then when the guy saw the treasure, it says with great joy, he sold everything he had to get that field. He says, those are the ones that get it. And I guess, you know, there's part of me that wants to stay up here and beg and beg and beg and give you all these reasons why you should follow God. But when I read what Jesus did, he never begged. He just, he says, I'm like a farmer. I just throw the seed out there and we'll just see where it lands. And those who get it, man, I remember being in high school, finally getting the gospel. And it so stuck with me that I remember calling my youth pastor, Stan. It was like at 11 o'clock at night one night. And I just called him on the phone. I'm like, dude, I can't sleep. I don't know if I really know him. I've got to know, even before I go to bed tonight, like, I've got to know this. I got to know that I'm secure with him. So I don't have to fear what happens tonight. I don't have to fear tomorrow. And I know that I'm loved by God. And, and I remember him just talking me through on the phone and explaining again everything that I explained to you. I was like, man, do you believe this? Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe that you're created by this God and you've offended him? And, and, and in Francis, do you believe that, that he literally loved you enough to have his son die on a cross to pay for everything? Do you believe that? And you believe that that's your salvation. It's not anything you do, but what he did for you. Because if you believe that, he will put his spirit in you. Where you begin to long for him and desire him. And you become a slave to righteousness. See, I don't know about you, but I'm a slave to God now. It's like, I can't even go on in my sin anymore. But some of you know what I'm talking about. You start slipping, you start getting into your sin, and it just drives you crazy because you can't be distant from God. And he just walked me through everything, and I go, yes, I believe. Then he goes, well, then just pray to God, tell him that, and sleep tight, man. You got this. And man, it was the start of this journey and this understanding of who he is. And I'm telling you, 30-something years later, I'm just going, God, nothing's changed. It's just you and me. I love you more than ever. 
I believe this message more than ever, and I'm watching you answer prayers every day. And my prayer today was for you, that some of you would get it. And I'm not going to tell you to come forward right now and whatever else. I mean, if you really get it, you'll figure it out. You'll, you, you won't be able to sleep tonight. You'll find a local church or a local pastor or someone you know who really walks with Jesus. And you'll say, look, help me, guide me, because I want to know God in that way. So again, for some of you, this is the last time you'll see me. And I hope you just forget about me and remember this message. And remember that right now in heaven is this amazing being. And it's all about him. In fact, can we just bow our heads right now and just talk to him? God, right now I think of all the angels in heaven worshiping you at your throne, telling you how holy you are, how great you are. And I just want to join them and say, God, you're amazing. God, I know that I did nothing to deserve this relationship with you. None of us did. That The fact that we can come into your presence right now is only because of what Jesus did on the cross. Otherwise, we'd be your enemies. Otherwise, we deserve your wrath. But Jesus took it all for us. So I come into your presence boldly through the blood of Jesus. I just thank you for everything. Thank you that I could be alive another day to tell people about how great you are. And God, I pray that some people here today will get it for the first time and not just go to church, but they would adore you and long for you and pursue you every day for the rest of their lives. Thank you, Father for everything you've done for us. And we cannot wait to see your face. And our faith shall be sight. I cannot wait to see you, Father, and adore you forever. Holy Spirit, please move now and open people's eyes to your beauty. Help them see the brevity of life how everything changes in a second and all that matters is knowing you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.